time, so leave with me again. This is Trice Talk, the Thursday thrust, as you might say. It's April the 29th, 2021, and I'm Donald Wayne, and uh, I'm kind of running solo tonight again. <laughs> Dennis Lee, um, he's uh, got a work event, you know, uh, we both have other jobs that we do, and uh, he has a work event, so he couldn't be on the show tonight. And, um, so I kind of put together a few things and for that reason. And, and also for the fact that since we've just kind of changed the format and we're still tweaking that, uh, I decided not to do a live show tonight. I, um, just didn't feel like I could do it justice, especially, uh, you know, the, the responding to everyone when they, uh, make comments in the chat room. Of course, I always talk about that anyway, is one being one of those things that that I have a hard time uh, keeping up with when I'm so focused on trying to do the show. Uh, and also because the screen is off to my left and I guess my left peripheral is not as, as good as it used to be. And I, I can't always see all the comments. So for a combination of reasons, I decided just to go ahead and do this as an unlisted podcast tonight. And I'll post it. And I apologize to all of you who uh, were looking forward to uh, listening to uh, Trice Talk live tonight. Uh, hopefully that won't happen too often. Uh, you know, typically when Dennis Lee is out, I've gone ahead and, and done a live podcast anyway. And uh, sometimes I'll have some help uh, with Eric Kirk from time to time. Uh, he would... Uh, fill in for Dennis Lee. And then sometimes uh, some of uh, podcast friends, uh, Crimson and um, Ellie J would uh, kind of step in and help out. But tonight it, it happened so quickly and we weren't really prepared for him not being here. So I just decided to do it this way. So um, again, I apologize for not providing you the live fun and laughter that we usually have on dry stock. Um, so I've got, I'm going to do some things kind of like we've been doing. And again, our format is, is being tweaked a little bit. So we've added a few things, taken away a few things 
uh, I'm going to stick to some of that tonight as best I can and um, may not end up with as long a show as we normally do, but I've, I've got several things that I had wanted to do before I realized that Dennis Lee wasn't going to be here tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and, and go through with those items with you tonight. And the, um, of course, you know, everybody's talking about Joe Biden's uh, address last night before Congress. And, you know, I'm not going to go through all of those things that many of you probably have heard in the news today or heard on other podcasts. You know, one of the things about being uh, one of the last, well, at least in the Eastern time zone, one of the last podcasts for the evening is the fact that uh, a lot of people have already talked about some of the things that we end up talking about on Tri's Talk. So um, I'm sure a lot of what Biden said last night has been uh, attacked today. Um, so I'm not going to go into much of that. I've got some other things, but there are some things that will circle back, as Saki likes to say, to, uh, to the fact that Biden gave that uh, address last night. I've also got, just for your knowledge, not that you'll ever know about it uh, other than in case uh, I do see something there that excites me about the the Dallas Cowboys as the uh, draft is still going on. And several of the players that, um, that I was interested in uh, have already been drafted. And uh, since this isn't a sports show, I'm not going to go into that. But... Um, so, you know, occasionally my eye may catch that. Uh, I just, there was one particular player I was looking for uh, to be drafted. And um, so if that comes up, I may be a little bit distracted. All right. So, like I said, this is the Thursday thrust. And um, so the first thing I'm on to, um, first thing I'm going to talk about tonight is last night, now, I think I've told uh, the audience uh, on numerous occasions that, again, I, I can't really pay a lot of attention to the screen, the chat screen as, as we go through the show, unless Dennis Lee's talking, doing his portion, and uh, I can then sometimes I'm able to spend a little time reading the chats and I try to respond occasionally. But I just want you to know every night before I post the show, I do go back and read all the comments. <laughs> so if you say something bad about me, I will read it before I, I close the, uh, before I actually post the show, before I exit Podbeam and, and get into the uh, posting mode. But uh, yeah, I do read the comments. And someone, and I forgot to write down who it was that mentioned it, but somebody asked early on last night uh, for an update on the uh, Arizona. Uh, vote recount that they were that they've been trying to do, I think for the last I guess this would be the second week they've been trying to pull that off out there. Um, and of course, you know the Democrats keep throwing things at the court, uh, keep filing these things in court, trying to stop them from counting, recounting these votes. I mean, the Democrats are desperate. You would think. You would think if they had nothing to hide that they would want this to proceed. They would want, um, you know, the votes to be counted, right? 
Um, and, and that way they could say for once and all, whether or not, uh, there truly was any kind of hanky panky, as we like to say in Texas, uh, that went on during the election, but they're bound and determined not to have those things counted. And one could only, uh, surmise from that, that they're probably a little bit nervous about what may be found in that Arizona recount. So anyway, somebody asked about an update on that. And unfortunately it was wacky Wednesday and we weren't going to, to go in that direction last night. So for my first article tonight, I want to read from uh, Mike Huckabee's newsletter, which, you know, I do quite often, almost every episode, I'll read something from Huckabee's newsletter. Uh, and this time he addresses the, um, uh, he's, it says, update the Maricopa County election audit proceeds. Uh, of course, you know, it originally started last week uh, and then they filed some motions in court and got it stopped and delayed for a while. Then there was something where they could start it back up again last Friday. Uh, I don't know how many they've been counting and, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, when they stopped it this week, but they stopped it again on, on another uh, Democrat filing in court. And, uh, but then the judge finally decided that the, um, well, anyway, let me go into the article. Uh, so Mike Huckabee says when we left off early Wednesday morning, a hearing was set up for 11 AM for the Arizona democratic party to present evidence that the audit of Maricopa County should be halted by restraint by restraining order. That hearing did take place and the newly appointed judge in the case Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Daniel Martin decided to let the audit proceed for now, saying Democrats did not provide substantive uh, evidence of any breaches or threatened breaches of voter privacy. So one of the things the Democrat is saying that they're they're afraid by this audit, they're they're claiming that the Republicans are going to release personal information about these ballots to the public and, um, you know, which would not be a good thing, obviously. And, um, that's one of the things they're hanging on trying, trying to get this thing stopped. But for now that judge said, um, you know, he, he's still with the Republicans and they can resume counting. Anyway, according to the judge, the case Democrats failed to meet the strong likelihood of succeeding standard that required for the plaintiffs to receive a restraining order. The judge did say that their case might ultimately succeed, but not at this time. So now Democrats now may call for an evidentiary hearing to try to make their case again for an injunction, or they can seek a review from a higher court or Here's an idea. They can just sit back and in the name of transparency, let the process take place. Yes, I'm sure that's what they'll do. As we said yesterday, Democrats have been claiming that the company leading the audit, Cyber Ninjas, were essentially making it up as they went along, though no specific examples of this were ever offered. They said the employees weren't properly trained and hadn't implemented security procedures, such as securing ballots. Oh, well, like the Democrats did such a great job of that. 
the defendants countered that the 2.1 million ballots being reviewed and the 400 election machines used to tabulate them were properly secured. The state Senate's audit liaison, Republican former Secretary of State Ken Bennett, told reporters that the facility is under armed guard around the clock. He said that just he and one other person have the keys to the containers holding the ballots when they're not being audited. Well, that's far better than anything that went on during last year's 2020 presidential election. In Wednesday's hearing, the evidence presented by plaintiffs included local news reports that alleged lax security at the facility, the Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix. Note to Democrats, media reports are not evidence. <laughs> well, that's, that's obvious. The judge didn't consider their evidence to be enough to halt the audit. According to the premium report in the Epic Times, Judge Martin said Democrats didn't bring enough evidence to convince him to halt the process. Since the audit had already started, the judge was concerned that halting it might cause a significant disruption. At the same time, Cyber Ninjas didn't totally get their way with the judge. They had wanted to put some documents under seal that they considered sensitive, but the judge ruled that they had failed to show an interest that overrides the right of public access to the information. That might be a blessing in disguise, as we need to be all about transparency here. Katie Hobbs, the Arizona Secretary of State, is still making the rounds of leftist talk shows. For example, saying on MSNBC that there's really nothing valid that's going to come out of this exercise and that all that is going to, all that it is going to do is undermine voters' confidence in the process. No, Ms. Hobbs. The thing that undermines voters' confidence is you going on TV trashing the law, the, the laudable idea of having transparent, verifiable election results. Every time you open your mouth, the level of confidence in the process goes down. And if the process is fraudulent, what's the good of having confidence in it anyway? Interestingly, it was a progressive Democrat, John Brakey, the co-founder of Audit USA, who clarified that even though some are saying the Arizona vote has already been audited several times, that's really not true. As an example of how limited the audits typically are, Brakey noted that the hand count of the primary election only reviewed 25 ballot batches, or 1% of the total vote. It involved about 100 people and took a day and a half. What's going on now really is the very first full review of the 2020 election in Maricopa County. We took a look at the report from one of the previous partial audits performed in that county, which is available online. It was approved unanimously on January the 27th after Biden's inauguration by the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. At first glance, this looks like quite a thorough examination, though it would take an expert to confirm that for us about some of it, particularly as it concerned the voting machines. But skip down to the question and answers about the process, and it's obvious this audit was not allowed to go there to check for certain potential problems. 
to cite one important example, question, why did the county not audit the ballots? Answer, the ballots are currently sealed. There is no provision under Arizona law that allows the county to recount or audit the election results after the election. The county cannot access the ballots without a court order. This includes digital copies of the ballots. My point, there was no way without a court order, which state Senate Republicans now have, for previous audits to look at the ballots or even digital copies of the ballots for evidence of forgery or other tampering. This time, auditors can finally check ballots. They can see if there's anything fishy about the signatures on the envelopes, such as one handwriting style repeated over and over, and find out whether names and addresses match with those of actual voters or whether they can all be traced to a post office box in Sun City Sun City, I'm sorry, rented under the name of Toonces the Driving Cat. I don't know where he came up with that one. So don't let anyone tell you that previous audits went far enough to tell the tale. Just let these auditors do their work for a couple of weeks. This means you, Democrats. So I hope that answers uh, our person's, uh, the person who was in the chat room last night. I hope this answers their question. Uh, yes, the audits are proceeding again. Uh, really no results from it so far, probably because the damn Democrats have been throwing one kind of court action after another at this process, trying to get it stopped. And, and for somebody to say the, the action of trying to recount these ballots uh, in, in their entirety is, um, you know, brings question about the whole process uh, is, is crazy. The whole process is being questioned, has been questioned since last November. And even though uh, Democrats would like for that whole issue to die, especially um, Joe Biden and his bunch, it's not going to. These people are not going to stop. But I've never seen a party so determined to stop a process like these voter recounts. And, and not even, and I've said this before, not even the fact that if they find a lot of fraudulent votes, if they find, say they were to find, um, if this process, you know, snowballed across the country, that they were to find that, you know, Donald Trump actually won the election, you know, none of us expect Donald Trump, you know, Joe Biden to be booted out and Donald Trump to be put in the whole point, the whole purpose of doing all of this right now is either to verify, yes, it was pretty much on the up and up and Joe Biden did win or no, there was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of shady things done with the ballots and 
Joe Biden didn't win. And then by golly, we're going to change. We're going to fix this stuff before the next election. And part of this would be used to shut up these people trying to pass HR1, SR1, the national voting laws, the national voting standards. And I, I think that's why the Democrat Party, in my opinion, is trying so hard to stop any process like this, because if they find anything that they can prove that there was corruption in the voting process, then it's really going to uh, put a damper on them trying to push this uh, HR1, SR1 through Congress or through the Senate because it's already passed the House. All right. So that's the first little ditty for tonight. And, um, So the next thing on my list, um, I know we use use the term um, you're not going to believe a lot in this country. I mean, I used to use it a lot. Uh, I don't, you know, I, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. But then after the last four or five years uh, of attacks on Trump and his followers and conservatives in general, that term has no place in our vocabulary anymore. It has no use because almost everything you could that comes out of out of the left, you can attach that term to. My first reaction when I saw this next story was, "Come on, man!" Well, not actually. It was, "What in the Sam Hill?" If you happen to be paying attention to our show last night on Wacky Wednesday, you'd know what that phrase means. Uh, but this story is about Hunter Biden and it's, and it's about him being hired. Well, let me just, let me just go to the article. Uh, Mike Huckabee makes a quick reference to it in his newsletter and he, he titles it. The sun also rises the S O N. And said uh, Tulane university has hired Hunter Biden to guest teach a class on fake news for students interested in media polarization. I'm curious if Tulane would allow any other journalism teacher on campus who not only has a record like Hunter's, but who has also even less experience in journalism than he does in running a Ukrainian energy company. There's also the minor issue that Hunter Biden's problem has never been fake news. His worst enemy is real news. So uh, it takes me to a link on the Western Journal, which goes into a little bit more detail. It says Hunter Biden will be guest speaker for class on media polarization at Tulane University. This article is by Kip Jones. Uh, it was published a couple of days ago. Is on uh, April the twenty seventh. Says. Hunter Biden, the troubled recovering addict son of President Joe Biden, will be featured as a guest speaker at a course on media polarization at Tulane University later this year, this coming fall. The Daily Wire reported the younger Biden will present to students at the New Orleans University this fall for a um, 10-week class about fake news. 
Just this past month, Hunter was linked to reports he used the Secret Service to watch over him as he allegedly used drugs and made pornography at a Los Angeles hotel in 2018. Tulane will become Hunter. Well, Tulane will welcome Hunter to assist in teaching its students about the growing divide in media and how that ultimately affects business in Washington. America's rapidly advancing partisan divide is fueled substantially by the growing political polarization increasingly evident in our news media, reads a copy of the course syllabus obtained by The Wire. This course will explore the current state of the media landscape in the United States and how media polarization, fake news, and the economics of news business impact public policymaking in Washington, D.C. Hunter, aside from attending Georgetown University for his undergraduate degree and later Yale University, where he obtained a law degree, has no background in either education or in mass communication. He was a lobbyist for several years after graduating for Yale, from Yale. The 51-year-old's most recent experience with media polarization came last fall after a laptop he reportedly abandoned at a Delaware computer shop in 2019 was obtained by the New York Post. Hunter was reported to have been addicted to crack cocaine at the time. The Post reported on the contents of that laptop, which purported to show Hunter and potentially his father were both involved in questionable business deals across the globe. The Post was temporarily banned from Twitter over the reporting, and the establishment media essentially refused to cover the story and the post-social media until after the November election. Now, you know, if that had happened in reverse on the uh, Republican side, do you think it would have uh, waited till after the election? Anyway, the article goes on to say Joe Biden denied the laptop with his, was his son's and linked the entire scandal to disinformation being pushed by the nefarious and unnamed Russians. The Russians have been used for a lot of things the last five years. The country's activist media collectively blew the whistle on behalf of Hunter and killed the story for millions of voters before they went to the polls. How convenient. Hunter would earlier this month contradict his father when he said the laptop very well could have been his. Aside from having the establishment media run interference on his behalf this past year, and after it was divulged he was dating his late brother's widow following Bo Biden's death in 2015, Hunter has no apparent qualifications to speak to aspiring journalists. Hunter's relationship with media polarization goes beyond drugs, alleged questionable use of government agency, and his reportedly turbulent relationship with his late brother's wife. Hunter would go on after that relationship to father an illegitimate child with an Arkansas stripper. A judge ruled last year that Hunter would have to pay child support for the baby after a paternity test proved that he was indeed the father. That story received scant coverage, by the way. How is that for polarization? 
Hunter, of course, has received numerous high-profile opportunities in recent years that a man of his caliber might not receive were he assumably not the son of Joe Biden. It's not what you know, but who you know, as the saying goes. Hunter sat on the board of uh, for Ukrainian energy giant Burisma Holdings for several years beginning in 2014, while his father was vice president. While there, despite no apparent vast knowledge of the Ukrainian energy sector or the country's inner workings, he collected a hefty salary from the company beginning the same year he was kicked out of the U.S. Navy after failing a drug test, which that was reported by NBC News. Hunter, who has never publicly shown a propensity towards creating art, was offered a deal last December after his father was presumed elected, which will see him create an art exhibit at the George's Burge Gallery in Soho, Manhattan. That solo art display will be shown later this year. I didn't know Hunter Biden was an artist either. Hunter will be joined at Tulane in teaching students about fake news and media polarization by Juan Williams of Fox News, Margaret Brennan of CBS News, and Kyle Atwood of CNN, among others. Well, I can see uh, Juan Williams being on there. That's probably one of the few people they could pull off a of Fox that they knew would um, pretty much talk their language. But it's just interesting how people in politics uh, or people who are related to politicians uh, get these sweetheart deals to do things that you have to question sometimes. I mean, are they really expert enough? Or are they really qualified to do these things that they're given to do? That doesn't seem to matter as long as you're a liberal, as long as you're a Democrat. All right. So that's the article on Hunter Biden. Um, now, here's um, here's where we usually uh, uh, we, we started our new segment, which one was uh, called Lee's Corner. And of course, he's out tonight, so there is no Lee's Corner. And my uh, new segment in place of the National Calendar Days is going to be um, uh, something I call Come On Man. At least that's what I have for the moment. Instead of uh, doing a couple of stories tonight that are be Come On Man kind of stories, I decided I did finally find uh, something uh, I could download with Joe Biden saying all those Come On Man things that I was Wanting to have for last night, it just didn't work. It didn't work out. So um, I'm going to play that. as It's only about a two-minute segment. It's kind of funny. Uh, but I'm going to play that for my Come On Man segment and also give me a chance to uh, break for a minute and drink a little bit more water. So uh, see if you can uh, get a chuckle or two out of this Come On Man uh, recording that I've got here and it's, I got it off of CNN of all places. Unfortunately, I couldn't understand the, uh, reporter's name at the end of the segment. So I, um, 
I apologize to that for CNN. Man, thing that was. It is the ultimate. All right. <laughs> it is the ultimate Joe Biden. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Used to convey everything from sarcasm. My heart breaks. Come on, man. To enthusiasm. Oh, come on, man. Let's do it. In just a single interview, we counted four of them. Hey, come what on. What happens man. most? Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, come on, man. Oh, sure, other Bidenisms may be more plentiful. Look, 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 look. Guess what? The fact of the matter is. The fact of the matter is. Folks, folks, uh, folks, look, look, folks. But look, folks. Come on, man. Is so much more expressive. It's all about round the clock sex. It's all. Come on, man. Whether he's dismissing outdated attitudes or challenging President Trump to a push up contest. I said, come on, Donald. Come on, man. How many push ups you want to do here, pal? At least, come on, man, is G-rated for expressing exasperation. It's a handy alternative to stronger stuff that needs bleeped. With ridiculous bull****. Joe Biden's former boss employed it. Come on. Come on, man. But did Obama get it from Biden? Come on, man. Or Biden from Obama? Maybe one or the other got it from the ESPN sports segment. Come on, man. Joe Biden's come on, man, has gotten picked on to the point that right-wingers have come to his defense. A New York Times columnist wrote about the broiness of Joe Biden, calling come on, man, a rhetorical device that men often use among themselves in locker rooms and barber shops to reinforce masculinity. Conservatives criticized the criticism for being PC. Comic sidekick Andy Richter credited Biden when describing his dog crowding him in the car. In the words of Joe Biden, come on, man. An expression Joe hangs on to like a dog with a bone. Come on, man. Genimo, CNN. Come on, man. New York. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, there are some things about Joe Biden that are humorous. There are some things about Joe Biden that kind of make him human. Um, you know, if it wasn't for his 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 uh, crazy progressive policies, you know, we, we might be able to smile a little bit more about the fact that he is president, you know. But... Um, then when you get down to the policies, it's it's too serious to find a lot of humor in it. So anyway, I'll be using some of those uh, come on mans uh, for my come on segment as we uh, progress uh, through the rest of the uh, spring and into the summer. And now that I have found something I can use, I'll keep looking. I mean, there's a, a lot of them on there, but sometimes they'll be tied to uh, when he's speaking on a, a talk show or something. And, uh, that, that was the first one I could find with a montage of come on man stuff. All right. So the next thing I'm going to do here as another little break, just because I'm here by myself and you may get tired of hearing me talk. Uh, I'm going to play, uh, back when we first did tries talk back in 2016, uh, the show was actually full of musical interludes. Uh, that's back when we had our producer, um, 
uh, James Marshall. And he would actually edit those in after uh, we recorded the show. So we actually didn't get to listen to them during the show. But we would take a break, uh, usually uh, 30, 45 seconds, maybe sometimes just a little bit over a minute. And and our producer would put in these musical interludes. And uh, we really enjoyed them. We used to get comments about the musical interludes more than we did the show. Um, but... So just uh, just for an added little break here before I get into the uh, next article that I'm going to do, which will be the last one for this episode, um, I'm going to play this little musical interlude. Uh, I've been trying to find some songs, you know, because when, when we started out, I was doing a lot of stuff, the oldies, um, as somebody has mentioned more than once on the show. Um which, you know, music from my time, but I, I thoroughly enjoy music of across all of the genres and uh, music. And, and so, you know, you'd be surprised if you could see me listening to some of the things that I listen to. And of course our producer, James Marshall, uh, several years ago, got me interested in, uh, some rap. Um, I like the beats and things and, you know, uh, some of the, um, uh, some of the uh, words to some of the rap songs, I, I really can't uh, uh, tolerate too long, but the music itself, I really enjoy on some level. So I listen to a lot of different things. And so I've been trying very hard the last uh, couple of months to start using uh, more current songs uh, in our breaks and in our intros and in our closing segments. So Here's another one uh, that I found. I'm, I'm going to have to bear with me here for a second. I don't have Dennis Lee to run interference, but here's another one that uh, I found and I thought you might enjoy for a couple of minutes until I get ready for the next um, story. And it's from, uh, it says, Sigala Becky Hill. and says, wish you well. I'm not really sure uh, who that is, but... We'll see. It's like we're not together, but I wish happiness for you. I know we said forever, love don't always make it through. Sometimes even the good things get lost along the way We opened up the same book but found a different page Cause honesty and loyalties, insecurities and priorities in the same For harmony it's the only thing I can say I wish you well 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 I hope that you remember 
That's some pretty positive lyrics there. I wish you well. I, you know, we probably ought to keep that in mind in this country uh, when we're dealing with each other across the aisles. I wish you well. I may not agree with you, but I wish you well. So um, anyway, that's from uh, Sagala, Becky Hill. Um, geez, you know, what you learn? I think it was a 2019 song when it was popular in 2019. So, all right. So going to the uh, last story of the night, it's, um, and this, this is one that relates to uh, last night. Of course, uh, after Biden's uh, address to the nation and Congress, what few were there, what few could stay awake, um, the Republicans got uh, Senator Tim Scott uh, from South Carolina to uh, give the rebuttal, as they call it. Uh, you know, and of course, each party does that. Whoever's whoever's in office, uh, Democrat or Republican, each time they give an address to the nation, then they always have the, op- the opposing party has somebody give their rebuttal. So this one is by Senator Tim Scott. So. Starts out at Mike Huckabee's newsletter, and uh, I'll just take a few things from him, and then I'm actually going to go into the transcript of uh, Senator Scott's response, which I think is important. Um, It's anything that the Democrats can't stand or anything that the Democrats try to discredit or vilify pretty much means that it's something that's important to the country. It means it's something that Republicans and conservatives should pay very close attention to because the Democrats just don't try to destroy anybody. Uh, They only try to destroy people that they fear that could become important in this country. And, and, you know, for a party that's so, so accusatory on uh, conservatives being racist and white supremacist, it's amazing that when there is a, uh, a senator or someone in the House of Representatives or any other political office that is anything but white, they find something wrong with them. And they're, they're still, you know, they still can't say anything good. They don't celebrate the fact that, hey, you know, the Republican Party has made some inroads or, you know, they're not all white supremacists in the Republican Party, but that's not where it goes. Democrats do not like anybody that's a conservative or Republican, regardless of their color race, 
creed, religion, sexual orientation, whatever. If you're not with them, you're a bad person. All right, so here's what Mike Huckabee says about uh, the response. The GOP response to Biden's speech was given by Senator Tim Scott, and it was terrific. It was filled with inspiring personal stories, ideas for finding common ground, and much-needed common sense. I urge you to watch it all. It's less than 15 minutes, but says more than Biden did in over 60 minutes. My favorite line was a description of how partisan the Democrats' infrastructure bill is. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. In other words, they won't bridge the gap between Democrats and Republicans in order to help build a bridge together. He also reminded viewers that when he proposed a bipartisan police reform bill that Democrats said they wanted, they used the Senate filibuster that they now call racist to block it from a vote. As Scott said, they preferred to keep the problem as political as a political tool rather than to solve it. You can tell how effective Senator Scott's speech was because the left was panicked enough to resort to their standard fallback, hurling racist slurs at the black man for daring not to think the way they tell him to think. Ironic, since Scott even mentioned the racist attacks made on him by so-called progressives. Meanwhile, Twitter, which will censor any conservative for any reason, allowed a racist leftist hashtag to trend. All right, so I'm going to go to the transcript, and I'm going to read it. It's uh, It doesn't look to be 15 minutes long. I hope that you'll uh, stay with me on it. But if you don't, you may be able to go to uh, YouTube uh, or some other source. There may even be, a, you may be able to find it on uh, Twitter. I'm not sure. I have not looked for it. But uh, I'd urge you to watch it if you did not see it last night, because I think it's important that we know that these people are, I say these people, people. Uh, that are standing up for our values on the conservative side of the coin and um, trying to call out the the hypocrisy of Democrats and and the the left of the liberals. So I think it's important that we listen to anybody that has the courage to stand up and say, you people are wrong. You people are lying. So uh, let's uh, let me click over to the transcript there. And for this one, I may just uh, go ahead and use my standard little background uh, for that I use on the mini pod. See if that works. Um, all right. Starts out. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words. 
But President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that bring us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further apart. I won't waste your time tonight with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. I want to have an honest conversation about common sense and common ground about this feeling that our nation is sliding off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. Growing up, I dreamed I'd be standing here tonight. No, sorry. Growing up, I never dreamed I'd be standing here tonight. When I was a kid, my parents divorced. My mother, my brother, and I moved in with my grandparents, three of us sharing one bedroom. I was disillusioned and angry, and I nearly failed out of school, but I was blessed. First with a praying mama, then with a mentor, a Chick-fil-A operator named John Moniz. Finally, with a string of opportunities that are only possible here in America. This past decade, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that helped me up. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life, but for months, too many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saddened that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a day. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe, but too often powerful grown-ups set science aside and kids like me were left behind. The clearest case for school choice in our lifetimes. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our hospitals, saved our economy, and funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines in record time. After five bills got 90 or more votes in the Senate, common sense found common ground. In February, Republicans told President Biden, we want to keep working together to win this fight. But Democrats wanted to go it alone. They spent almost $2 trillion on a partisan bill the White House bragged was the most liberal bill in American history. Only 1% went to vaccinations. No requirement to reopen schools promptly. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. Another issue that should unite us is infrastructure. Republicans support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure, roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband. We're all in. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste, plus the biggest job-killing tax hikes in a generation. Experts say when it's all said and done, 
it would lower Americans' wages and shrink our economy. Tonight, we also heard about a so-called family plan, even more taxing, even more spending, to put Washington even more in the middle of your life from the cradle to college. The beauty of the American dream is that families get to define it for themselves. We should be expanding options and opportunities for all families, not throwing money at certain issues because Democrats think they know best. Infrastructure, spending that shrinks our economy is not common sense. Weakening our southern border and creating a crisis is not compassionate. The president is abandoning principles he's held for decades. Now, he says, your tax dollar should fund abortions. He's laying groundwork to pack the Supreme Court. This is not common ground. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around a store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would have the newspaper in his hand. Later, I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privileged because a relative owned land generations before my time. Believe me, I know our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democrat colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered them amendments but the Democrats used the filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm still hopeful. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids again are being taught that color of the skin defines them. And if they look at a certain, if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress. By doubling down on the divisions we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who has voted in the South all my life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And so do voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting and big majorities support voter ID, including African-Americans and Hispanics. Common sense makes common ground. But today this conversation has collapsed. The state of Georgia passed a law that expands early voting, 
preserves no excuse mail-in voting, and despite what the president claimed, did not reduce election day hours. If you actually read this law, it's mainstream. It will be easier to vote early in Georgia than in Democrat-run New York. But the left doesn't want you to know that. They want people to, to they want people to virtue signal by yelling about a law they haven't even read. Fact checkers have called out the White House for misstatements. The president absurdly claims this is worse than Jim Crow. What is going on here? I tell you, a Washington power grab. This misplaced outrage is supposed to justify a Democrats' sweeping bill that would take over elections for all 50 states. Send public funds to political campaigns you disagree with and make the bipartisan Federal Elections Commission partisan. This is not about civil rights or our racist past. It's about rigging elections in the future. And no, the same filibuster that President Obama and President Biden praised when they were senators that Democrats used just last year has not suddenly become a racist relic because the shoe is on the other foot. Race is not a political weapon to settle every issue the way one side wants. It's too important. This should be a joyful springtime for our nation. This administration inherited a tide that had already turned. The coronavirus is on the run. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed and the Trump administration, our country is flooded with safe and effective vaccines. Thanks to our bipartisan work last year, job openings are rebounding. So why do we feel so divided and anxious? A nation with so much cause for hope should not feel so heavy laden. A president who promised to bring us together should not push agendas that tear us apart. The American family deserves better, and we know what better looks like. Just before COVID, we had the most inclusive economy in my lifetime, the lowest unemployment ever recorded for African Americans and Hispanics and Asian Americans, the lowest for women in nearly 70 years. Wages were growing faster for the bottom 25% than the top 25%. That happened because Republicans focused on expanding opportunities for all Americans. We passed opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, and permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities for the first time ever. We fought the drug epidemic, rebuilt our military, and cut taxes for working families and single moms like mine. Our best future won't come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people. Black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers and black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries, we are family. We are all in this together. And we get to live in the greatest country on earth, the country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. So I am more hopeful. I am confident that our finest hour is yet to come. 
Original sin is never the end of the story, not in our souls and not in our nation. The real story is always redemption. I'm standing here because my mom has prayed me through some very tough times. I believe our nation has succeeded the same way because generations of Americans in their own ways have asked for grace and God has supplied it. So I will close with a word from a worship song that helped me through this past year. The music is new, but the words draw from scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you. In your weeping and rejoicing, he is with you. May his favor be upon our nation for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Good night and God bless. So I can't do it as much justice as he he did last night, but I would encourage you, if you're interested in hearing that, that you look it up. Um, And that's Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, Republican who responded to Joe Biden's worrisome picture last night in his address to the country. There's a lot of people in this country that believe, like Tim Scott, that what the Democrats are trying to do is basically pull us apart so that'll make them more important. So the country thinks that they need the things that the Democrats are pushing, which is more involvement. Let us do this for you. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it without our help. And we know as Americans that that's not true. We know in our hearts that that's not true. Because nothing ever comes to a person for free. Except grace. Everything else has a price. If you take certain things from the government, they're going to take a lot of things back from you. There's always strings to it. And there's a lot of people trying to get that message out there. Uh, But there's, for every one person that's giving a message like Tim Scott, there's probably a hundred on the Democrat side, the liberal side, that's trying to tell you that That's nonsense. It's foolish. All we can hope and pray for is next year in 2022 that there will be enough of us that um, can make a difference in the elections in 2022 and get back some of our lost control in Washington, D.C. and try to bring some sanity to all of this madness that has occurred in just three months. The thing is, you know, the Republicans haven't always been very good about 
keeping their promises either. And so I'm, as I've said a number of times on Trice Talk, I'm not saying that the uh, Republicans have all the answers or the Republican political figures are always that much better than Democrats. It's a Republican philosophy, the things that we're supposed to stand for, the things that conservatives are supposed to stand for is much better than what Democrats stand for. Unfortunately, we haven't always had the right political leaders to do the things that they should have been doing that they promised us that they would do. But I pose this question. Um, I mean, even Joe Biden almost admitted this in his uh, speech last night when he mentioned something uh, to the effect they've had 40 years of talking about immigration reform and they haven't done it yet. Why is that? Why is that? That question needs to be answered. If the Democrats have such wonderful fixes to all the ills in this country, why is it none of those fixes ever really stick when they do have the power? But then I have to say, There was a lot of things done wrong by the Republicans when Donald Trump was president. They had an opportunity for two years to fix a lot of things in this country, and they didn't do it because they spent too much time disliking the guy at the top of the ticket. Instead of focusing on what can we do for those people who put us here and supported us and are looking to us to fix things, They didn't do it. So, you know, Republicans are just as much to blame as Democrats for a lot of things that are wrong today. But I have to go back to philosophically the things that we as conservatives stand for, we as Republicans stand for, it's much better. It's less government, less interference in your life doesn't mean that you ignore pain and suffering. doesn't mean that you don't care about other people and, and the problems that they have. But there's other ways to do it besides you know, what Joe Biden is and, and his, his minions are trying to do right now. Right now, they're trying to suck every dime they can. Or actually, they're creating dimes because there's nothing much really to suck from right now. Um... It's on that uh, buy now, pay later plan of theirs, which uh, many financial experts are agreeing that it's going to lead to a catastrophe. But you look at the things that they're trying to do. They're trying to buy people off. They're not trying to fix anything. Pay attention. Do a little research. Listen to people like Tim Scott. Listen to other conservative leaders who are trying to bridge this gap and show people that we're not as divided as Washington wants us to be or Washington betrays us to be. All right, so 
a treat for you tonight. It's a short episode of Trice Talk, since I'm by myself. Um, so, since Dennis Lee's not here, I'm going to do just a revised edition of the uh, closing uh, segment. I'm certainly not going to do all the stuff that he normally does, but um, I will mention that uh, be sure, if you like Trice Talk, uh, to check us out on Facebook. Uh, Dennis Lee does a pretty good job of posting stuff on, on Facebook, articles and pictures and so forth. I try. Uh, I'm not very good about posting stuff, but uh, I try to put some stuff on there occasionally, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do more. So uh, in, in the coming weeks and months, you should see more uh, posts uh, from the Donald Wayne side. Uh, but you can also check us out on Twitter. Uh, I try to, to tweet and respond to uh, tweets, you know, at least five, six, maybe sometimes a dozen times a day. It just depends on what kind of day that I'm having. Uh, I'm also on Parler. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Twitter is at Trice Talk with G Moon. And on Parler, uh, couldn't do the Trice Talk on Parler. It's at gray crab um <laughs> since i am a uh cancer that is my sign uh the crab has always been my uh, symbol and uh also it's also moon child so that's what the uh with g moon is on the tristock in case you wanted to know um and you can also email us at tristock 69 pts at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any comments or suggestions about any of our episodes, uh, past episodes or future episodes. We also welcome comments about ideas about uh, topics that people would like to hear us talk about on, on our episodes. And um, we also uh, would like to hear from anybody if uh, you have some idea about contest. We're, we're going to try to run a contest about four times a year. Uh, our biggest one will always be in the holiday season, uh, you know, in December. But uh, we try to run some other contests during the year. So uh, we'd like to hear from if you got an idea for a contest uh, that we might consider doing here at Trice Talk. Um, Trice Talk is on Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And normally they're live and uh we'll try not to have too many of these um that are not live but uh, just occasionally it may happen for one reason or another um let's see what else can i we'd also appreciate you downloading if you've listened to any of the mini pod episodes they are the 30 minute versions of tries talk of course uh, i host them by myself normally uh, Dennis Lee also has um, Tall Tales from the Rabbit Hole, so it's kind of hard for him to do the mini pods with me. But occasionally, uh, we may be able to pull him in to help me out with a 30-minute segment, maybe a 45-minute segment. But generally, on mini pods, I just talk about a single subject and um, or, or cover a, uh, one specific article. Uh, Dennis Lee on the Tall Tales from the Rabbit Hole. He's on live 
generally before uh, Trice Talk Live is on, he, he tries to get on about 9.30, the nights of our normal uh, Trice Talk Live pro- uh, podcast. So uh, please check him out if you get that opportunity. All right. Uh, tonight, let me shut this off so I can get ready for my other closing music here. I've got a um, closing quote, and it is from, um, I was just looking for, oop, I think I lost the song that I was going to um, to use for closing. Anyway, the closing quote for tonight is, when life becomes more meaningful, Sorry, life becomes more meaningful when you realize the simple fact that you will never get the same moment twice. That's why they tell tell us to cherish every moment. All right, so I can't find the song. What in the world happened to that? (laughs) I had a special song that I was going to do for closing, but I don't have it, so I'm going to have to... It was somebody named Marshmallow. Gee, I was kind of looking forward to that one. Well, let's see. We'll just have to, I'm going to just, I'll just do this one again. So I'm going to have to turn out the lights myself tonight since Dennis Lee's not here. Uh, Please remember that Trice Talk will be back again on Sunday night live. And uh, don't forget to uh, look for the mini pods, which will be posted tomorrow night and, and Saturday night. That's it for tonight, everybody. Thanks for listening, and please be safe out there. I just want to wake up every day here in this bed. Never leave our love you left unsaid. It might take a hundred lifetimes to do. But baby, I just want to be good as you. Girl, you're more than just a surface. Yeah, you got that heart of gold. So when it comes to loving you, baby, now it'll never get old. Tomorrow, tonight, the rest of my life, I want to be the man you want me to be. So start right now, girl, tell me everything you need. I just want to wake up every day here in this bed.
every day here in this bed. Never leave, I love you, left unsaid.